Welcome to In Social Work, the podcast series of the University of Buffalo School of Social Work at www.insocialwork.org. We're glad you could join us today. The purpose of In Social Work is to engage practitioners and researchers in lifelong learning and to promote research to practice and practice to research. We educate, we connect, we care. We're In Social Work. Hello from Buffalo. Well, we've said so long to our friend and co-host Charles Sims, and now I'd like to say hello to Dr. Luann Back. She's a clinical assistant professor here, and she received her PhD from Michigan State. Her research specializes in aging with emphasis on Medicare and Medicaid policy, disparities in later life, and community-based intervention and program services. We're thrilled that Luann will be co-hosting our podcast series, and you'll meet her in our next episode. In this episode, our guests Charnetta Gadling-Cole and Kathy McElderry discuss the Development School Partnership, an intervention created to interrupt the school-to-prison pipeline, originating in the relationship between Alabama A&M University and the Pinnacle Schools, our presenters speak about how AAMU has been able to bridge the gaps for students graduating from specialty therapeutic programs offered by Pinnacle Schools, transitioning to the next step in their young adult lives. Offering wraparound services for students in need of comprehensive behavioral health services, both the Pinnacle Schools and the AAMU Professional Development School Project hope to create strong support systems for vulnerable students at risk of not completing their schooling. Our guests point out what role a historically black college like AMU plays in this partnership, but suggest that this model can and should be used by a variety of schools in a variety of settings, urban and rural, to create higher rates of graduation for vulnerable populations in both high school and college. Sharnetta Gadling Cole, PhD, is the Assistant Director for the Alabama A&M University Center for Global Social Service Research. Kathy McElderry, PhD, MPH, LCSW, is Associate Professor and Chair of the Department of Social Work at Southeast Missouri State University. Our guests were interviewed in May 2017 by our own Anahita Ball, PhD, Assistant Professor here at the UB School of Social Work. This is Anna Ball, and I'm an Assistant Professor in the School of Social Work at University at Buffalo, and I'm here with Dr. Kathy McElderry and Dr. Sharnetta Gadling-Cole. We are talking about the Development School Partnership. And the first question I have for you two is to tell me a little bit about that partnership. And of course, we'll go into more detail, but you could give us an overview of what that is. This is Sharnetta. The Alabama A&M University and the Pinnacle School Partnership is what developed into our Um, what you would call now Development School Partnership. It was actually spearheaded by Ms. Karen Lee, who is the founder and CEO of the Pinnacle Schools, and they provide a variety of services for youth who have behavioral issues within the school system as well as they have a wilderness camp. Ms. Lee is an anesthesiologist by trade, but she developed an interest in working with youth with behavioral issues because her team began to manifest some issues himself. So with that, she reached out to the administration at Alabama A&M University and asked that 
we identify services that could assist her students who are graduating to successfully matriculate to Alabama A&M University. And from there, the Center for Global Social Service Research, which actually Kathy and I co-founded at Alabama A&M University, we were asked to develop and implement a project plan. From there, we did research and we identified models and we were successful in implementing a project that would provide wraparound services for students after they graduated. That consisted of biopsychosocial assessments, testing, as well as case plans and mentoring and tutorship. So that's just a broad overview of services. Are these wraparound services in college? Well, they're accepted to Alabama A&M University. Mm. And we have an orientation during the summer. And from there, the students come in and we have biopsychosocial testing done by some of the faculty member in the Department of Social Work and also psychology and counseling assist as well. And then we have a psychometrist, Dr. Daniel Upchurch, who does the testing piece for us. And from there, we have Professor Liz Ford, who works with one of our master's students who are in the field placement, and they develop a case plan for those individual students. Okay, great. This partnership seems to address a significant problem that we have, a number of significant problems, actually, that we have. So could you tell us a little bit about the school-to-prison pipeline? This is Kathy, and basically the school-to-prison pipeline involves behaviors that once led to a student going to the principal office, and at most the student might get detention. Now what we're seeing is a very large number of students who are getting suspended and expelled from school for minor infractions. And if students aren't in school, and parents are working, then there's a lack of supervision. So what we began to see as a problem as these kids ending up going from school into the criminal justice system. Now, if a child gets into a fight at school, it can lead to criminal charges. So it's putting a, a lot of our youth on a trajectory that involves them interfacing with the criminal justice system. And a lot of this evolved out of the zero tolerance policies that many schools have gone to now that involves basically removing children from the school environment. And often these are the kids who most need to be in school. Can you tell me a little bit then how the school to prison pipeline relates to the development school project and how that came to be then? Yes, as Sharnetta mentioned, the Pinnacle School basically deals with children who have behavior problems. So these may be children who have been sent to alternative school or children who have other types of behavior problems, oppositional defiant disorder learning disabilities or any number of problems that could make management in the regular school system problematic. So Karen, in her wisdom, created a school environment for those children that would provide them with the nurturing and the wraparound services that they needed to be successful. Okay, that's wonderful, but what happens after graduation? 
And mm-hmm. that's where Alabama A&M stepped in and said, we will continue to provide those services in partnership with Pinnacle School to try to change the outcome for students who would otherwise may not have any place to go after graduation. Hoping to interrupt the school to prison pipeline by providing an alternative for many of the children who may not see themselves as ever earning a college degree or being successful in college, but creating an environment that could potentially lead to success. Does the services that you offer at the university, or at least the wraparound services, are they offered all four years? Follow the student all the way through the four-year matriculation. Great. What sparked your interest in kind of developing this transitional program for at-risk youth? This is Sharnetta. And actually, my interest was sparked whenever we were brought forth to identify and develop a plan. However, Kathy had done extensive research with the prison to pipeline piece. So she had the foundation information that we used to theoretically implement the project. Once we learned more about what Karen Lee and her service they were providing at the Pinnacle Schools, and we identified various models that are already in place, and some of them were similar to what's called sober schools, we decided to modify it to fit the needs of our students at Alabama A&M University and those coming in. So that's how the interest was initially sparked. But from there, it became an interest throughout campus, as well as students who are not only matriculating in, but some that may be there now who are on probation or parole. Actually expanded our services to not the Alabama A&M Pinnacle School model, but a student support retention service piece that can Mm -hmm. be provided across campus. For people who aren't familiar, what is the Sober Schools model? Well, usually those are individuals who have some type of substance abuse issue that they collaborate with a university and they are able to attend Alcohol Anonymous meetings or those type services that they need and at the same time matriculate through. However, our model was different because we were collaborating with And as Kathy stated, somewhat of an alternative school. She provides services through the school system itself in various counties, as well Mm -hmm. as the wilderness camp. So Mm -hmm. we are able to get students who are coming from any variety of her programs. So since our model initially focused primarily on the collaboration with the Pinnacle Schools, that's why we said no. Our model needed to be a little different. And the students coming in, the good thing is they were already receiving services. A lot of them were already in counseling. So although we were able to assess based on our own biopsychosocial assessments, we were also able to gain information from the staff at the Pinnacle Schools who had been previously working with these students. Oh, that's great. I just want to add to what Sharnetta said, uh, with the sober school model, it sort of focuses on one problem. And as social workers, we know that rarely do we see uh, clients or individuals with just one problem. Usually there's Mm -hmm. a cluster of problems. So the model that we went with broadens that scope 
to look at a multitude of problems and not just one, but anything that the student might experience that could somehow interfere with their potential for success academically. So that's actually leading into our next question. What can social workers offer to meet the challenges of at-risk students that are seeking a college education? I think most of all is to be aware of some of the challenges that youth who are at risk face, particularly students who are ethnic minority students. We're also seeing in the area of suspension and expulsion more males who are suspended than females. We're also seeing children who have disabilities. And as social workers, we work with the most vulnerable populations, and this is truly a vulnerable population. So as school social workers, as individuals who are working with families, we need to be aware of the challenges that some of these children face just walking into a school every day. And how do we begin to help them to see themselves as successful when we may be dealing with a system that's telling them every day that you're not welcome and you won't make it? I think being aware and knowing that there are resources out there like Alabama A&M and the Development School Partnership. I was just thinking about some of the students that are part of the project or that were even in the Pinnacle Schools, they are already in the system, as you would say. Some of them already have cases with Department of Social Services or Human Resources, depending on the state. And we know that a lot of social workers, after they graduate, they end up working in that environment. And as social workers, we work with a variety of individuals, you know, psychologists, teachers. So we need to be aware and we need to make sure we have the appropriate skill set to successfully work with the students. So that's one thing that we try to do as well. We've developed a number of certificate training programs for individuals who work with DSS or DJJ. So they'll know how to successfully work with students who are manifesting behavioral issues. Because, you know, sometimes it goes beyond just behavioral. Sometimes it's environmental factors. There may be issues at home that we may be able to refer out. We try to provide, I guess you say, a holistic model to address Mm -hmm. all of the identified needs which is why we do the biopsychosocials so we can get the family history. And if needed, you know, talk to family members, identify other services that they may be in need of as well. That's great. That sounds truly like it's based in a social work model and an interdisciplinary model too. So I'm curious also then, do you see a specific role that historically black colleges play in interventions and projects similar to this one? Well, this is Charnetta. I'm sure Cassie can add on this as well. But a lot of times we see first-generational students, and we may see those with any university where they may be education gaps. So we're able to, when they come in the door, identify those deficits so we can provide services for them to be successful. And that's across the board. So that's what I think we can offer. And the retention rate is is an 
important as well because yes mm -hmm. a student can be accepted into a university but are they able to successfully graduate and obtain a job in their discipline and with the mm -hmm. variety of policies that are coming forth with the financial aid piece you have to make sure you know you graduate a certain number of students and they go into their discipline this is an area that you're going to find that many universities are struggling with to make sure that they retain students all four years so as kathy stated the fact that the model follows the student throughout it's similar to case plans that we do in other areas so once they meet this specific goal another area may develop and we're able to identify goals and objectives and tasks to assist those students in that area as well sounds like this is actually a pretty big program with a lot of moving parts how do you think the target population has benefited this is Sharnetta. Well, I think what we have learned, because as you said, there are a lot of moving parts and it takes a lot of systems to be successfully in place. That's why we have collaborated with other entities that are already at the university. We have the tutorial networks that's there. We have Freshman Academy at Alabama a and University mm -hmm. that already provided some of the supports, but it was for so many students. So what we have mm -hmm. done is ask them to identify students who they think will benefit from our services. And yes, we still have students that will come in through the Pinnacle Schools and now even other alternative schools because they've contacted us with Huntsville City, even some of the students who may benefit from a wraparound service. So I think it's, you know, we're getting through some glitches as you do with any project that starts, but because of the various moving parts, we have found that collaboration is best and identifying mm -hmm. resources that are already in place and then from there, just strategizing. And we knew that we needed to have one person that's just designated to work in this role, and, and that's been Professor Liz Ford. She had previously worked in the Freshman Academy, so she was aware of all of the services, you know, that were there. So we were, you know, we're still working through glitches, but I think it's coming along pretty successful at this point. From a national perspective, I would just like to say that one of the major social determinants of health and well-being is education. And if we can put students who are at risk of not getting an education on a trajectory of higher education versus the criminal justice system, I think it benefits us as a nation. The long-term consequences of young African-American males not getting an education affects family life, it affects their health, it affects any number of other areas. So our goal is to create a model that can be replicated in other areas so that we somehow begin to change our focus from how do we help young people who have been identified as exhibiting some type of problem behavior, turn that around into success. And the long-term benefits of that are enormous. And that's what we would ultimately like to see come out of this project. 
So what do you think has been the greatest impact of the project thus far? I believe that having students who probably never thought they would get to college now enrolled in a four-year institution is a huge impact. And each year that students are able to matriculate through this program, I think will be huge. And that, to me, is the greatest satisfaction that there are any number of students who are now enrolled in higher education who may not have otherwise had that opportunity had it not been for the developmental school partnership. And I want to add on, yes, definitely them being able to be admitted into a university, but then also having those services in place to assist with their success. That's important, you know, for us as well. So I think twofold, the fact that, okay, you're here, but not only have you been admitted, but now you have services, you have support, you have individuals that care about your success. So I think that's important. I'm really interested in this partnership project because this is definitely needed and it spans the high school and the college level because we seem to be doing the two different things separately in the different systems. So I'm just wondering what's next for all of you in this, in the program, but also in the research that you've been doing. What we're trying to do now is actually identify funding opportunities because it's a lot of, you know, services and funds available for this type of model because it is out of the box and it is a collaboration and interdisciplinary. So we've been looking at various requests for proposals and applications and trying to get sponsors just to assist with being able to hire more individuals who can specifically focus on this area of service for our students. So that's been primarily. And then, of course, as you know, we've also been presenting the research. We presented at CSWE mm-hmm. last year at APM. And then we've also presented for the National Professional Development Schools. They have an annual conference through the University of South Carolina. So we've been mm-hmm. able to present the model, and it's been well received. And we've even had other states to reach out to us in interest in replication of the model itself. And what I think is important to note is that with any model, it can be modified to fit the population of focus. What we need at HBCUs more than primarily white institutes sometimes is resources, you know, financial Mm -hmm. resources. So that's the focus, our primary focus right now is just to be able to identify those resources to help fill the financial gaps that exist. That's great. Good. Like I said, I'm interested in this because, as you mentioned, a particularly vulnerable population. Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, the component of having an HBCU involvement is really critical as well. So I really appreciate you explaining the details of the context along with the program. Is there anything else? I do want to say that it's not a model that's exclusive to HBCUs, Mm -hmm. although that's where where it originated, and certainly it fits well with the population that we reached out to in Alabama. I am now in Missouri, the university that I'm affiliated with now, we're also looking at something similar in one of the counties here in Missouri. 
and we're sort of expanding it out to look at a trauma-informed model that embraces not just the school system, but also the community. There's lots of potential here. It's not just HBCUs, because the university that I'm affiliated with now actually is not an HBCU. We're reaching out to a rural population that certainly experiences Mm -hmm. some of the types of issues. I'm curious then, how do you think the size of the university could impact this type of program? Like, I'm not sure what size the university is that you're at at Missouri now, but just thinking like I'm at University of Buffalo and it's a large school, we're always trying to think of ways that we can do similar programs. Well, I would think uh, many of the problems that are in urban areas are very similar to rural areas. And a school the size of the University of Buffalo would probably have far more resources than what I have here at my university and probably at Charnetta's university. So just getting involved with the community that you're in I think it's critical, and that's one of the things that's very important with the university that I'm affiliated with, that we are here for the community. We're part of the community, and so we try to reach out and engage the community in various activities. We use the teacher-scholar model, so that involves you know, our research being focused on what are the community needs. And historically, black colleges, that's been their focus as well, meeting the needs of the community. Mm -hmm. But certainly any university that's a proponent of civic engagement, you know, we have a responsibility to not just do research for research's sake, but to solve Mm -hmm. major social problems. And right now, this is a major social problem. The suspension, expulsion of students, the school-to-prison pipeline, male students being underrepresented in universities. You know, however you choose to look at this, it is Mm -hmm. a problem that's facing our nation, and it's not specific to just one area. Yeah, I agree, and I, I really appreciate that additional information about it, too. Is there anything else that either of you would like to add? Just want to thank, you know, everyone that's been involved with the project through the Center for Global Social Service Research. And we appreciate the opportunity to talk more about the model and the services and the needs of the community. And this is what social work is about. So just thank Mm -hmm. you for the opportunity as well. Absolutely. You've been listening to Dr. Sharnetta Gadling-Cole and Kathy McEldery, Discuss Development School Partnership on In Social Work. Hi, I'm Nancy Smith, Professor and Dean of the University of Buffalo School of Social Work. Thanks for listening to our podcast. We look forward to your continued support of the series. For more information about who we are as a school, our history, our online and on-the-ground degree in continuing education programs, we invite you to visit our website at www.socialwork.buffalo.edu. And while you're there, check out our Technology and Social Work Resource Center. You'll find it under the Community Resources menu.